Hey everybody, this is Editor City. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday season with your family or your friends or your friends who are pretty much your family or maybe you cheated yourself. However you spent your holidays, I hope you had a good, chill time. I just wanted to let you guys know that this episode will feature a lengthy discussion regarding the bath scene in episode 16 between Satsuki and her mother Ragyo and the topic of sexual abuse and molestation will also be discussed. If you feel uncomfortable hearing about these subjects for whatever reason, I will list the timestamps in the description so that you may skip that part if that is what you wish to do. You don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. I just wanted to throw in that warning for you guys. Um, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing and successful 2022. To Ten in the Chamber, a Studio Trigger retrospective podcast. We are here with episode 16 of Kill a Kill. And by we, that is me, City, and Marshmallow Goop. Yes, it's just going to be the two of us for uh, this set of episodes going forward. Um, but don't worry, we will have another guest in for the last five episodes. But for right now, episodes 16 through 20, it is just going to be the two of us talking. So the, the start of this episode, I absolutely absolutely love for those of you that don't really watch anime too often it's very common for especially a lot of like action-oriented anime to have a recap episode at some point like in like the middle of like an arc or like just right before a new arc to do recap episodes and this episode starts out as a recap episode but very quickly uh senketsu narrating this this part by the way uh is about to recap everything and this whole recap goes for i believe like two minutes of him going really fast which is absolutely fantastic once again just kind of displaying a lot of triggers very signature breakneck speed in this uh, recap that lasts a whole like two minutes before we just get right back to the plot <laughs> and we have satsuki leaving leaving behind the remains of osaka while ryuko saying one of my favorite <laughs> her favorite <laughs> insults of calling her a uh, perpetually frowning <laughs> caterpillar eyebrowed bitch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fucking love that. It's great. And we also get a new opening in this episode. And I love this opening. I just fucking, I love like every outfit that the characters had so far. It gets shown off. There's more emphasis on like Ryuko and Mako together and also Satsuki with the Leaf 4. We have uh, Ragyo and Nui in the mix as well since they are now major players in the plot. The music here is also really fucking good. I would say I love this opening just overall more than the first one because uh, while Ref was here, they said that the uh, that the first opening was good, although like the song didn't really match the mood of the show and there's what kind of wasn't too much happening. Um, but this one definitely makes up for it. Fits a lot better. I love the animation of it too. Just It's really good. Fantastic opening overall. Oh, I don't have much to say. It's just I preferred this opening to Sirius. Uh, Sirius kind of grew on me a little bit. I, I didn't mm -hmm. really like it much at first. I really like the animation um, on Sirius. 
I I think Yo Yoshinari did like everything on on Sirius all by himself. I love his work, so I think the animation is really good in the first opening. But uh, I don't know, Sirius did kind of grow on me. But I do prefer Ambiguous. I don't think the animation is quite as. I mean, it's it's not really super animated. <laughs> I guess in terms of just content, there's just mm-hmm. a lot because you have both groups of the protagonists, the antagonists. You have Sasuke and Yuko fighting, and mm-hmm. their blood stains like, uh, mm-hmm. like the red blood, like coloring the, the the broken stone that makes up like the like the logo. Having both of them like tied up by the life fibers of Sinketsu and Junketsu, and then like that last shot of Rika and Satsuki like butting heads, like with their heads bleeding and like looking directly at the viewer. It's really cool. And I also love that um, there is a piece of concept art of the two of them, like, kind of having like, this warm smile, um, like, in, like, that similar shot from that opening. I really love yeah. my favorite, favorite uh, art pieces. Yeah, so there's it, the Art of Kill a Kill books. They, I think they have that shot on the cover of all of them, and the last one, they're smiling. So it's like if you put them all together, it's like an animation. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> missing bit. the first two of the, those books. It hurts me. <laughs> Probably not cheap to find them online. Ah, uh, the f- <laughs> yeah. I think at this point they'd be pretty hard to find. The third one seems to be the easiest to find, which is probably why I have the third one. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, someday, someday, it's the biggest gap in my collection. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm missing Sushi Otan too. Sushiotan 2, like the second one. And mm. I'm also missing the background book. Those are the biggest ones I'm missing. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Hopefully, one day. Hoping you find it. <laughs> one day. Uh, one yeah. day. But, yeah, but we go on to this episode. We get a lot of uh, exposition in this episode from, from both sides, from where we have Ryuko and Mako and Nuda Speech learning about everything on their side, but also with uh, Satsuki and Ragyo, there's like another side of the exposition. They all kind of like come together in this episode. Of course, unfortunately, before we get to um, Ragyo and Satsuki's whole deal with their side of the exposition, uh, we do have their scene of Satsuki coming back home to the Kiryu and uh, household. And um, I don't know how much to describe of this scene since not really, not really a good scene at all. No, I always skip this scene in all my rewatches. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it or we could just yeah, not I talk mean, about I, it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, I think it, I think it does kind of something that, or I think that there is a value in at least mentioning what happens. Ragyo and Satsuki having a bath together, and Ragyo being very touchy with Satsuki it's 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 very borderline in how explicit they depict this scene of what happens between the two of them very uh, sensual and like kind of the way that the camera uh, like zooms in on them and like just kind of everything of how this whole scene is depicted it eh, I feel like just even looking at it without context of what's happening still feels not really good yeah it's I think my main argument for this scene is that I don't necessarily hate that it happened, but I don't like, I mean, I do hate that it happens to Satsuki. That's awful. But like as a narrative decision, like I don't think there's anything wrong with exploring those themes in fiction. But I think the way that it's depicted is just horrendous. And, and I know, and I don't mean to sound offensive here because I know a lot of people are like, this isn't fan service and it's offensive if you say it's fan service. But I think the way it's shot is very clearly fan service. Like, mm. I, we were talking about the art books. I, I think if you look through the art books, you can kind of tell that they were pr- 
proud of how this turned out. In the Trigger magazine issue for this episode, there's like a lot of gushing about how beautiful the shots are in this scene. Like, I think it was very clearly partially fan service. And that's just, it's too bad. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just putting it lightly. It's it's gross. The scenes like this that are like depicted as like being fan service is unfortunately nothing really new when it comes to anime in general um mm-hmm. nothing can really excuse the way that this scene is kind of shot the way that it looks is very much kind of i mean i wouldn't say positive but very much trying to meant to elicit like a very like sensual feeling even though with the context of what we know and seeing this we know that it's absolutely wrong yeah and i think it's just it just speaks to how abuse from women isn't taken as seriously as abuse from men because Ragyo was initially drafted as a father but Nagashima said that it made the relationship between Tatsuki and Ragyo murky and so maybe I'm misinterpreting this but I mean either way it's (laughs) going to look murky when you have these scenes (laughs) of her touching Tatsuki like this and like Mm -hmm. even like Tatsuki's expressions it almost does seem like she's uncomfortable with it but i guess in this case like going along with what's happening even though it's very much not okay it's never okay any situation like this i mean your body reacts in ways you might not necessarily want it to but it's just i might be misinterpreting what nagashima is saying but i see it as oh of course it's disgusting when a man abuses his daughters but when a woman does it yeah it's disgusting sure but it's also kind of hot and that's just that's just the impression i get and that's just so disappointing so gross unfortunately and and my my take on this is like i actually really like how toonami edited this scene because they just they cut the middle part out totally you just get the implication and i think that's all you needed i think all you needed was the implication yeah i'm of the mindset that less is more when it comes to this sort of thing in one of my film classes when i was in university um we watched this film called osama and it was a really sad film it was about a really young girl who dressed up as a boy to help provide for her family but while she's um you know in disguise she has her first period and she's discovered and at the end of the film she's like married off to a much older man and at the end of the film you see the man cleaning himself just as she had been taught when she was disguised as a boy to clean after you know you have sex so you know what happened at the end of that film with that shot of that guy cleaning himself at the end but you don't see it at all but it's just stuck with me so much i didn't need to see anything disgusting i didn't need graphic depiction of what happened to that girl i knew exactly what happened and that ending scene is just haunted my memory it was really powerful and i think what kill a kill could have been really powerful too but it, it didn't go there and that's too bad yeah, we, we definitely didn't need this particular scene. I think the scene we had uh, before, with the first scene we saw with Satsuki and Ragyo together, and then the scenes afterwards, uh, as we'll see later on, I think that's enough to really inform the audience of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we, we didn't need to see it here as almost explicit as it is. Moving on from that, we get to uh, Ryuko and Nudist Beach as Ryuko learns that, that her father, Ishin, funded and created Nudist Beach. And also Mako kind of picturing him in this beach with like a bunch of girls and like he's just a complete like total chad <laughs> like, <in the> way. <laughs> like she's just kind of dreaming it in her head and um Ryuko tells Mako to just like, hey, cut it out, you know? And like, there's this comment made of uh, Ryuk- of like um, Senketsu telling Ryuko that she's basically almost um, telepathic at this point, which I don't 
think is brought up ever again i know <laughs> it's like again. it's really weird it's a it's, really weird like yeah, it never like, comes back yeah and like i want to say yeah no, they just just for like the sake of like the mm-hmm. gag you know breaking the fourth wall i think this that's all it really is it's not really too much to like look into with just that comment other than just having it be like a little fun scene of like you know mako being mako and ryuko just kind of brushing off her um her eccentricness well there's a little callback to what mako says in episode five that all the friends she had were in her head and then she met ryuko and made a real one but then here she's like oh well ryuko's in my head and out of my head too so there's (laughs) that which is i don't know (laughs) but like this never comes back so like i don't have much to say (laughs) it's cute so with nudist beach mikisugi reveals that life fibers are aliens from worlds different from ours and goes over how they caused uh they're they're basically like the nexus point of human evolution and that clothing is the reason why humans have evolved to this point in time and that life fibers are essentially evolving and maturing the humans to the point where they can become basically like the perfect prey to feed on essentially with this reveal along with the reveal in the later episodes of grown lagan has kind of built up this reputation for trigger that that they like to kind of put in these little alien twists in the, their plots when we get to the second half of the story, which I personally never really liked that um, that like assumption that's kind of made at them because this is something that happens literally at the last three episodes of uh, of Darling in the Franks and everyone just said like oh of course you know Trigger <laughs> was going to put in these weird alien plot twists at the end of the story and you know. I'll speak more on that when we do watch Darling in the Franks, at least for here as only the second time, as far as I know, only the second time that they've really kind of gone with this, uh, with this sort of alien twist. I think, um, it's, I think they built it up so that it didn't feel off when it happened. It did feel weird the first time watching this, you know, years ago, just like they're aliens. Okay. Like I, I was, I was kind of at this point already invested in the story that, I didn't really find it as weird or like, or like it seemed like it was jumping the the shark with the plot. I think it was a natural kind of uh, escalation at that point, at least for me. That's kind of how I saw it. I mean, I I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't have much to say on this. Like, I feel like when you try to over explain a ridiculous world, like kill a kill's world, it just comes off as weird, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't have anything really concrete to say about it. I know when this episode first came out, I was kind of, sort of, not really watching... No, I don't think I... I don't know. I was kind of, sort of, watching the show, I guess. Yeah, you weren't keeping up with this as much as I was. I was literally watching every episode as they came out like uh, i was in high school as i was eating lunch i was watching the new episodes that's how i watched a lot of the episodes when they were coming out you know yeah i was just kind of vaguely interested in it after i saw episode five so i think when this episode came out i was kind of sort of watching it i hadn't really watched before it because i think it was maybe this point that i finally watched episode five I know for sure, like, 18, I I was definitely watching as it kind of came out. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So I think at this point I was kind of watching it. And I remember my friends saying that it was really it was really bad. Like, they didn't like the alien explanation. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have that much of an opinion about it. It's... it's <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, we see more of, uh, of how Sinketsu was created. And we also see his reactions to hearing everything that's happening, that he is this weird artificial alien at this point and like he's almost kind of horrified to like hear this news and like he's just like am i going to 
eat Ryuko, essentially. That was, like, his main concern, hearing all this information mm-hmm. for the first time. And then, meanwhile, with uh, Satsuki and Ragyo, we see them going into this giant room where they are holding uh, in the primordial life fiber, which is this giant sphere egg thing that's basically where all the life fibers are coming from. It's, like, they're big, like... And again, like another big like nexus point of like just all the life fires being created. There's not really much here that I wrote down for it, except that uh, we'll we'll see more about the primordial life fiber um, in the video game. That has a huge role in that that I certainly was not expecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ragio also saying that the Kiryuans are the spokesmen for the covers, which are which are the covers essentially like more sentient forms of life fibers. I have I have no clue. See, maybe that's the problem with this episode. It's like it gives explanation, but it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't give enough. So like maybe they shouldn't have given any explanation at all because I'd always prefer to not know. And I think maybe like the guidebook will talk about it more, but I can't read the guidebook. <laughs> so, but like, when did? Because Ragyo has these scars on her back. Presume I guess that's a spoiler. I guess. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw the scars on her back when we first saw her, when she was like... Yeah, you know, yeah, but like, why her. they're on there, like, that that I, comes later. <laughs> or like, how, why we could presume they're on there. <laughs> that comes later, so I guess I can't say that. <laughs> but it's like, how did Ragyo come into contact with the original life, or or the primordial life? Fiber? I think that's the official translation. Yeah. And like, and, and why were the Kiryuans guarding this for generations and there's was just it? so many questions <laughs> i thought it was implied that Ragio was like at least like the i want to say the first one but definitely like the primary like just kind of almost caretaker of the primordial life fiber i don't know if it was a generational thing yeah but how did this happen i don't i, <laughs> I don't know like yeah and like in this case they are explaining stuff but also like leaving stuff to like mystery because i guess again you you talk too much kind of about like why things are the way they are and everything it kind of uh i don't know it just feels yeah. like explaining too much is like giving too much information to the audience yeah yeah <laughs> so so some sometimes i'm like maybe they should have just left things vaguer because like this world is so ridiculous and, and sometimes i feel like explanation kind of roots it and i feel like that's exactly what happened in darling the franks like i did not need to know all that information. <laughs> yeah, no. The way they explained it there, they took a literal whole episode to explain yeah, why yeah. things are the way they are, and it just completely derailed from there. Yeah, and it, it was just like I didn't need to know. Like I, I thought the mystery in, yeah. in the start. I guess it's more darling in the Franks, but like, yeah, I, I didn't need that explanation. And here um, is not quite as much. But sometimes I'm like, maybe I didn't really need that either. It's why I kind of like writing short stories more than like full length novels personally. Right. <laughs> sometimes because like you don't have to explain everything, and it's fine. In a short story. Yeah, you don't. And like I think at least here, I like that we are seeing the characters' reactions to everything as they're being told this information. We are connected more with the characters because we are learning this information at the same time as they are. And we're seeing their reactions as, you know, they're also learning all of this for the first time. And Ryuko's reaction is very much just um because they because Migisugi tells Ryuko that her and Saketsu are the last hope for humanity as being like the union between humans and life fibers, even though Senketsu is um, is artificially made. And Ryuko does not like this. She reacts very much, you know, the way she does, very much, like she's pissed off about it. I do think that's one of the best 
scenes in this episode. It's one of my favorite scenes in the anime. Actually, the first the first kill a kill thing I ever made <laughs> was it was it just a of, of like just tons of Ryuko and Saikatsu stuff because that's why I watched this show. <laughs> but but I had like a it, this is Tumblr right, so I had like an aesthetic quote to go with it, and it was the quote of Ryuko saying, "You're saying that he's just a weapon to fight. Screw that. He's got a will of his own." You know, something like that. So I really, yeah. I really love this bit, but I think it's really sad in a lot of discussion about it. Like people don't really talk about why Ryuko's mad. They're just like, oh, she threw a chair. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, but she's, she's mad. And I guess we can get this into the next episode too. But in this episode, the idea is that she's mad because she's mad that Senketsu is being treated just as a tool and they're ignoring his humanity. And I think that's just, I really love that. I really love that she cared so much for him and valued him so much as the person that she hated him being treated like that. And I, I think it's sad that a lot of people don't talk about that when they talk about this scene. But but that's me. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, yeah, Ryuko is just mad that, that they're seeing Sakits as a weapon. And she's also like just mad that like the fact that he's created to, to kill his own kind. Like, why why can't he have a voice in... Mm-hmm. You know, in all this shit that's happening, why can't he have a say on on what he wants to do? And yeah. that's her argument to the point where she completely just takes off Senketsu and just is mm-hmm. standing her ground the way she is and saying, you know, it's like, oh, you guys are called nudist beach. What's wrong with me getting naked? Very cool line to, to come from her. And <laughs> Simigu is also there and is pretty much just um, just saying, like, OK, guess you two don't have a problem dying then if you don't want to fight for the survival of humanity. Mako just saying, all right, everyone, let's calm down. Let's eat a bunch of snacks. It just has these, I guess, like potato chips. It just spits them out because they're just bad, bad tasting. <laughs> and also Mako is uh, sleeping uh, like right before Ryuko had her outburst. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure she was listening for the most part. I think that was just yeah. thrown in as a, as a, as a gag. That was actually really long gag. <laughs> like, did that need to be that long? I believe also before that scene, Ragyo informs Satsuki that they're now kind of moving on to their final part of the plan being the cultural sports festival that's about to happen. And Satsuki looks very surprised at this that they're kind of already going along with this and that's kind of like a another like clear sign we see of like satsuki perhaps breaking out of being an antagonist but yeah like i said a lot of exposition on this episode a lot more information we have now about what the direct threat is and we see how the characters are reacting i think it's pretty good i don't have strong opinions on this one except i really like the last scene at the end there i love mm-hmm. that it's animated so well like i know there's the thing with the chair but i think the movement is really good in that moment and i think the talking animation that ryuko has afterwards is also really good and i think that just shows how important that moment is because it's been stated that mako theater moments are animated poorly on purpose because it's supposed to be a joke <laughs> and like you even took out frames that an animator did because he's like it's just a joke you don't need such smooth animation for a joke (laughs) so i love that there's really good animation for this point at the end because i think that says you know it's important and that's why we animated it so well it's not a joke even though a lot of people were taking it kind of as a joke but she's so mad which i think is too bad (laughs) it is a trademark of trigger that like scenes that are meant to be on the surface seen as very comedic will have less animation and we clearly see that with stuff like with inferno cop and also ninja slayer um but i mean at least here with uh with mako you know being a comic relief character it does work for her to have 
less frames in a lot of her moments, especially in her like her big uh, hallelujah scenes. It still works really well, even though I think, you know, visually, yes, it is meant to be comedic. I think what she says, especially going forward with like a lot of moments like this, like her words are meant to be taken seriously. I yeah, I don't know. I have feelings about this. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. Um, but and uh, we go into speaking of Mako, going to a, a new ending. Uh, that's very just it's just all Mako, all Mako ending here her in like different outfits and all these like cutesy little scenarios is like an elephant with like a kiddie pool um like her like and like sleeping on like a cloud and the stars of her in like different like costumes and outfits it's very like sanrio-esque with like the way that the art style is it looks like koyama's gb style i'm not i'm not a hundred percent on that i'd have to <laughs> i'm pretty sure it is uh koyama's because uh they are uh, Good Smile is releasing like a set of figures of Yuko, Satsuki, and Mako that are in this style. But that's uh, all for episode 16. Uh, tune in next time. We will get into episode 17. Very excited for this. One of my favorite episodes. Uh, but until then, this is for City and for Marshmallow. We are signing off. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey.